Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast exists to inspire and encourage your heart-centered leadership. Each week, I share interviews with some of the greatest heart-centered leaders in the world. And I hope that our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. Please visit abty.co.uk if you would like us in your corner. These interview sessions are brought to you by Matt Media Online Marketing, an independent agency who specialise in content marketing, helping business owners get their message seen by the right audience. If you want to get your business seen through the power of social media, head to mattmedia.online. On episode 236, I am joined by the great Neil Donald Walsh, a modern-day spiritual messenger whose words continue to touch the world in profound ways. Neil is the best-selling author of the Conversation with God series, which seven of the nine books made the New York Times bestseller list, with book one remaining on that list for 134 weeks. His titles have been translated into 37 languages and have been read by millions of people worldwide. Neil has written 40 books on contemporary spirituality and its practical application in everyday life, including his new book, God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connections with a Higher Power. What a blessing it is to have a conversation with Neil. I know that this one might be one that you have to pause and reflect on, or maybe listen back to it a couple of times. And I encourage you to go and read the Conversations with God books that Neil has put out into the world. It's an incredible conversation. I hope you're ready. It's episode 236 with Neil Donald Walsh. Neil, welcome to the Always Best Than Yesterday podcast. How are you, brother? Thank you, my friend. It's lovely to be here. I'm I'm feeling wonderful, and I hope that you are too, and I very much appreciate the opportunity to share this time with you. How can I serve the moment? Mm. Help us remember. Help us remember. I'd love for you to... Help our audience remember the the truth of who we are. No, you know, my friend Bill had it right. Um, and I've listened to a lot of things that Bill has said through the years. But one of the most important things that Bill ever said was, there are more things in heaven and earth ratio than are dreamt of in your philosophy. <laughs> and he was right. So uh, what I've come to understand as a result of my personal experience, which I happen to call conversations with God, is that we are each individuations of divinity. Mm-hmm. That is that we are, if if I dare say it, what I call God in individuated form. We're not obviously the totality of God any more than a wave is the totality of the ocean. But a wave is not something other than the ocean. It's not separate from the ocean. It's simply an arising of the ocean in individual form. And when the arising is complete, when that expression, powerful, beautiful expression is complete, Mm -hmm. the wave recedes back into the ocean. It's a marvelous metaphor. And that's who I think we are. I think we are to God as a wave is to the ocean. And I think that our reason for being on the earth is not to learn anything. You know, I was told directly in my conversation with God, Neil, life is not a school. I know that all the teachers tell you that life is a school, but in fact, life is not a school. You've already been given all you need to know. Everything that you need to understand, everything that you need to experience, the aspect of yourself, your divinity that you wish to experience, that you came to the physical realm to experience, has been given to you. So there's nothing to learn, but there is an opportunity to remember that is to re-hyphen member, to become a member once again of the body of God. And so I believe, you know, I could be wrong about this. I know it sounds fanciful, but I believe that the reason that souls have come to the physical realm, by the way, not just on earth, but throughout the entire universe, I believe that the reason that sentient beings exist in the physical realm is to provide each soul with an opportunity 
not only to express and to experience, but also to evolve into the next greater version mm. of who we really are. It's a process of evolution. I think that we are in the process on this planet of evolving. And I think that process is going on throughout the realm of the physical. So that's what I hope that I've helped people to remember. Because you know what? What's interesting about this, my friend? Even, even Ryan, if we don't believe what I've just said, even if we just say, ah, oh, a lot of fanciful nonsense. I've said to other people, fair enough. You know, I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything. You've asked me the question. I'm giving you my answer. But <clears throat> if you can think of a better way to live, tell me what it is. Because right now, the way most people are living, based on the cultural stories that we have been given by our religions, by our philosophies, you know, by our families, by our nations and states and political parties and so forth, mm -hmm. based on what we've been told, mm -hmm. this isn't working so well. So I keep on asking myself the following question. Is it possible, just possible, that there's something we don't fully understand here <laughs> about God, about life, and about ourselves, the understanding of which would change everything mm -hmm. for the better. I think yeah. there's some data missing, Ryan. You know, and I want to, if I could just extrapolate a little bit longer on that, you're going to be sorry that you asked because no, you asked me 30-second questions. I'm going to give you a 30-minute <laughs> answer. I'm here for it. But, but uh, here's what I notice. In every other area of human endeavor, we have dared to do something that we refuse to do on this particular topic. And that is to question the prior assumption. Hmm. In science, as soon as we come up with some kind of scientific discovery or revelation, the scientists questioned the prior assumption upon which that discovery was made, which causes them to, more often than not, uncover a new discovery. In, in medicine, as soon as medical researchers find a cure for anything, mm -hmm. they question the prior assumption, which is what's produced incredible modern medical miracles. The refusal to think that we have all the information there is to have on this topic. Mm -hmm. in technology you know what my friend i don't know you you're, you seem like a younger man you're younger than i am I'm, I'm probably 30 or 40 years older than you are but when i was your age this kind of a thing was total science fiction <laughs> yeah. to hold to hold the, the entire universe i mean all the information that's available to me in the palm of my hand was totally science fiction mm -hmm. but the people who work in technology understood that you know what we have to question the prior assumption we don't know all there is to know on this topic mm -hmm. and so their desire to keep on pushing forward into the areas of the unknown is what produced miracles like today's technology the technology we're using right here right now where i'm talking to you from the west coast of the united states and you're someplace you know where people speak english properly <laughs> and 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 yeah. so th this is a miracle but in the one area where we're not allowed to question the prior assumption, right, and that's the area of our most sacred beliefs. Oh, no, no, no. Your religion has told you what's true. Yeah. It's what your religion says. Don't you dare question that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing we don't know about God, the knowing of which would change everything. It's all in the good book. Right. You know, the Quran. I mean the Bhagavad Gita. I mean the Book of Mormon. I mean the Upanishads. I mean that whatever, because there are four thousand three hundred religions being practiced. I didn't make that number up. Google it. Mm -hmm. There are four thousand three hundred religions being practiced on the face of the earth in this moment, not throughout human history, being practiced right now today. So you better pick up the right book, because if you read the wrong sacred scripture. You're going to hell. Right. I mean, what? What? Mm. I mean, can that really be what's true? Or is it possible, just 
possible? I only raised a question. Is it possible that there's something we don't fully understand here? Mm. The understanding of which would change how we are, who we are, where we are, why we are, and the way we are with each other. Because the way we're moving through life right now, guys, it's not working. Hey, my friends, thank you for being with us so far. I hope you're enjoying the interview. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about our signature heart print coaching. Our heart print coaching is for you if you're ready to go all in on becoming a heart-centered leader, ready to go all in on doing more of what you love, ready to see what you are capable of with support, guidance, and accountability. You're ready to go on a rapid transformational journey that will change your life and others in as little as three months. Are you ready to show up with courage and share your gift with the world? Ready to start making an income and more impact by doing what you love. Ready to start leaving your legacy where those around you are left better than yesterday. In our Heartprint Signature Coaching, in our time together, I'll help you lead from your heart set. I'll help you develop other people and your team. I'll help you bring your heart work to the world. I'll help you start leaving a legacy and capturing examples of your impact. I will help you be someone you love, to do more of what you love, and to serve people that you love. It's an amazing opportunity for someone who's ready to go all in and be a heart-centered leader. I'll throw in loads of other bonuses, including your life languages profile, uh, access to our Master Heart and Mind membership, and even some Always Better Than Yesterday merchandise. Head to abty.co.uk forward slash coaching to find out more, and I look forward to connecting with you very soon. That's abty.co.uk forward slash coaching. Here we go. Back to the interview. So that's my 20-minute answer to your 20-second question. This is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um I, uh, you know, as little as five years ago, would have self-declared my, myself a man of science. In other words, I had no space for God. I was no, I was never going to surrender to this idea of uh, a God. And 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 some things have happened in my life where I had a, I what I believe to be a Jesus encounter. And um, I, I would, my wife and I would call ourselves followers of Jesus. But there's something. God bless in, you. God bless you. And, and there's something within your books that I'm reading that, that that I really resonate with, which is that um, a heart that that cries out to God will, will be revealed. I think I can't remember the word specifically. It, but well, it, let me give you the words that I remember. Even before you ask, I will have answered. Yeah. Yeah, it's powerful. And and and. And and that for me is 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 giving me such joy and and freedom in learning more about the heart of God, who God is, and rather than um, intellectual knowledge, shall we say? I think a lot of the, the the written scriptures, you know, when you start to understand possibly the flaws of man in interpreting some of those original messages, uh, I like to try and gain a an experience or at least you know get closer to that and and i just want to thank you for for the body of work that how do you describe it are you a willing vessel of it are you a channel for it like how, how do you describe the process of bringing forth the the conversations of, with god ryan uh, I, i'm not a channeler i don't channel I, the popular understanding whether it's accurate or not but the most popular understanding of the word channel or to be channeling is that some entity somehow takes over temporarily yeah. in somebody's body and yeah. starts speaking through that person that's not what's happening with me yeah. um i'm a scribe i'm simply a messenger <laughs> i'm not much different from matthew mark luke and john frankly yeah. yeah i just received a message very clearly by the way most people are not clear about this, but the majority of the writers of the Bible were not alive when Jesus was walking on the earth. Right. They're just passing on what they've been told. Mm -hmm. And 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 they hopefully passed it on by and large yeah. and with some degree of accuracy. Mm -hmm. But are there some man-made human errors? Is it possible that Jesus never said anything like, if you don't belong to my religion, you're going to hell? 
I'll say I'll never know I'm, you. Yeah, you know, I'm the only way. I'm 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 you know, I think that Jesus did say I am the way and the life. You know, watch what I'm doing, watch what I'm being, watch what I'm saying, watch how I move through the world. And if you choose to embrace such a movement on your own through the world, you will experience yourself as who you really are, as a son and daughter of God. But I don't think that Jesus actually said, oh, by the way, if you don't accept me as your Lord and Savior, if you happen to be a Muslim or happen to be a Buddhist or happen to be a Jew or happen to be you know, a Hindu or happen to be a Mormon or any one of the other 4,000 religions, I, in fact, am going to send you to hell. You're going to hell. Because it doesn't, God will only allow you to come through one tiny doorway. Even if you're the most devout, committed, holy, and wonderful Hindu in the world, who's been kind and generous and loving and caring and forgiving all your life, God doesn't care because you came through the wrong doorway. So you're going to hell. I love the aspects of humor that you bring forward or, or, or God's humor, because I think I remember hearing or seeing that um, it's like we fear going to hell. Therefore, we place ourselves there already. Yeah. And God said to me, Neil, you don't have to go through hell to get to heaven. Mm. It's not necessary. Yeah. Everybody is welcome. Even a Baha'i. What? Wait a minute. Not, not a member of the Baha'i faith. Neil, relax. Yes, even a member of the Baha'i faith. In fact, excuse me, members of no faith at all. If you have no belief in God whatsoever, you don't even need to believe in me, God said to me. Hmm. I welcome you home. Hmm. Even, did you hear? God said to me, Neil, have you ever heard? the parable of the prodigal son. Mm. Yeah, I've heard that. God said, do you think that it's a lie? A fib? An untruth? Or do you think it's possible that the God of this universe says to every soul that ever existed, welcome home. Welcome home. I'd love to and You know what? You know what, Ryan? If that isn't the God who really exists, then I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. Then I join you in not wanting anything. The, 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 the former you, when you were a scientist. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know you still are, but when you were thinking that way, then I join. You know, because I, because you know, if I'm going to hell, then I'm going to hell. I, I love George Bernard Shaw, who said, "All of the really interesting people are there anyway." Yeah, I'd love to get to the really, uh, the deep part of, you know, the purpose of all this and who God is and how, and I particularly want to hear about your your new book that's due out in November called God Talk. But I want to set the scene, I want to set the context. And um, there's been a film about your life. There's been a film about your story released in the early 2000s. And I think if that hadn't come out, I don't think I'd quite really understand what life was actually like for you, your late 40s, early 50s. Like, it's one thing to read it, and then there's another thing to viscerally experience what life is like. Help us set the, the context, because if we're going to have a wonderful conversation about God, and we're going to talk about God talk, but we can't skip over what life is like for Neil, late 40s. Would you mind taking us there for a moment? Um, Ryan, I had a wonderful life. Uh, until until my late forties, I was, frankly, to be honest, successful in everything I under, I undertook. Mm -hmm. I got into broadcasting, and I was successful in broadcasting. I wound up with a nationally syndicated radio talk show in the United States. I wanted to get into journalism, so I became a cub reporter at a local newspaper, and I wound up as the managing editor of a local newspaper. So I, was I wanted to be a photographer. I picked up a camera and people started really taking to my pictures. I was doing largely portrait photography. I called it environmental portraiture. And I was hired by many, many people to take, take their pictures in their place of work. Mm -hmm. I, you know, in fact, no matter what I did, I raised a baton. 
By the way, I can't read music, but I have conducted a 65-piece orchestra <laughs> because I had the music in my head. And the musicians, all 65 musicians understood that I knew the music as well as anybody who could read the, read the, the, the sheet music. Yeah. And I conducted that orchestra. I've, I've been in the theater. I've done over 65 stage productions. I've been in movies, you know, just for the fun of it. I, I, I appeared in a couple of movies, one in a starring role. It wasn't a great big smash hit, but I had the experience of doing a motion picture. Everything I wanted in my life, including marriages, not one, not two, not three, not four marriages, not not five marriages, <clears throat> not not six marriages, seven marriages. I mean, if Henry VIII can do it, so can I. And nine children. I'm not bragging about this. I don't want people to think I'm bragging about it because I'm not. Those were unhappy times for me. Those those are parts of my personal failures. But now in my seventh marriage, I celebrated my 16th anniversary here in just a few days. 16 years with the same wonderful human being. All of the others, by the way, were also wonderful human beings. I was the one mm -hmm. who didn't understand what the, what the whole game was about. What is this thing called relationship? What am I doing here? How does it work? I was the biggest narcissist of all time. I mean, so if you if you want to know what a narcissist is, just get on national talk radio and you find out very fast. Mm -hmm. So so um, but my life when I got to in in my late 40s, uh, to answer your question directly, I would I didn't want to answer it directly, otherwise I we could I fill the that. hour. I yeah, I, we gotta fill the hour. So <laughs> But what happened in my late 40s, everything, uh, Ryan was, everything fell apart. The relationship I was then in, that particular marriage, fell apart. It, it was not acrimonious. My, my, my then wife and I agreed that we simply weren't doing well together. So we, we uh, agreed to disagree agreeably, and we did that. So we separated, and I found a little apartment and gave her, you know, the, the flat we lived in, and, and we continued with. We had some children together, but we made that work. Except five days later, hmm. not five weeks, not five months, not five years later, five days later, I lost my job. The corporation I was working for needed to downsize, and it wasn't that I wasn't doing a good job. In fact, my boss said to me, you're the guy we really hate to lose, but you were the last person in, first person out. You have no seniority. We've got to let you go. We've got to do it on a basis of seniority. So I lost my job and my relationship within the same five-day period. But wait, wait. The universe wasn't done with me yet. Five days after that, as I'm driving to an appointment to look for another job, which I felt certain I'd be given because I had all the credentials. An older gentleman turns his car into mine, makes a left turn in front of me, and smashes into my car. I mean, it wasn't a fender bender. It was my car was totaled mm. and almost my body. Ryan, I suffered a broken neck in that accident. And when I was awakened in the emergency room of the hospital, the surgeon said, you know, Neil, you didn't have just a hairline fracture of your neck. You had a three-quarter inch avulsion fracture of the seven cervical vertebrae posteriorly. That's a break in your neck big enough to put a pencil through. Or to put it directly, Mr. Walsh, you should have died. Mm. Because the spinal cord complications of that kind of fracture almost inevitably produce instant death. And if not death, surely paralysis from the neck down, you have suffered neither consequence. He looked at me and he said, so what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Because you've been given an incredible gift. I heard him, but you know what? I couldn't get a job. I mean, I went back out there after I recovered from my neck injury, they gave me a fillet with what's called in America a Philadelphia collar. It's a, it's a plastic device that holds your head up. And, and the doctor said to me, you will not take this off for any reason. 
not to take a shower, not to sleep. I don't care if you're making love. You do not take this off for any reason because imagine a basketball on the head of a pin. There's nothing holding your head up except this plastic device. So you do not take it off until your neck fuses again and your neck can support your head. Okay, so now here's the problem, Ryan. Nobody would hire me. Finally, after about five or seven job interviews, one man was honest enough to say, Mr. Walsh, you've got the credentials, you've got the background, you've got the experience. We can't hire you wearing that therapeutic device on your neck. One wrong move and we're paying your hospital bills, your medical bills for the next three years. Mm -hmm. Come in here when you've totally healed from that injury and we'll be hiring you in a minute. So I couldn't get a job. I ran out of money ran out of my savings. Finally, the landlord of the flat that I had rented said, Neil, I got to ask you to leave. You, we haven't, you haven't paid me any rent in two months. I wound up living on the sidewalk. The great human nightmare. No home, no place to live, no income, no job. Living on the street, sleeping on the concrete, you want to know what it's like to lose your dignity? No place to even use the bathroom. Mm. You have to sneak into the, the restaurant and hope that nobody sees you as you try to get to the men's room before the manager comes over and says, no, 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 out, out, out. Because you look terrible, you smell terrible, your hair is down to the middle of your back, your clothes haven't been cleaned in months. Mm. I mean, I was out on the street, Ryan, not for a couple of bad weeks or a couple of tough months. I was living on the sidewalk for two weeks shy of one year. A year living on the outside, going from person to person, saying anything helps, anything helps, even a few coins. And I remember a man, I recall a man said to me, you know what, right now all I have are a few coins. I just spent my last folding money. All I have is a few coins. And I said to that man, sir, if I got a handful of coins from everybody I asked today, I could actually have a hamburger before the end of the day. I might be able to actually put some food in my belly. Please, sir, whatever you have. And he gave me the few coins he had in his pocket. By the way, now that I'm on the other side of that story, never pass anybody who has a handout asking for help mm. don't make a judgment oh he's just going to use it for drugs he's just going to buy alcohol don't don't make a judgment mm. he may be waiting to have his first piece of food that day mm. always have some folding money with you always have some folding money with you and when you see somebody with their hand out for goodness sake Share what you have. Just a thought. Mm. So that's my story. And then when I finally did find a little job someplace and got back on my feet, got back into a little apartment, I woke up at 4.30 in the morning and I said to myself, wow, what does it take to make life work? I don't understand. I mean, what have I done to deserve a life of such endless struggle. And I called out to God, Ryan, in, in the middle of the night, 4.30 in the morning. I'm calling out to God. Give me the rules. I promise I'll play. I will play the game. Just give me the rules. Because I don't understand what's going on. I don't know how the game is played. What am I doing wrong here? And I went out to you know, the, the couch. It was a one-room apartment. But I sat on the couch and there was a yellow legal pad on the coffee table in front of me that I had picked up to make some grocery lists and things. And I wrote an angry letter to God. I, I just said, dear God, what is it I don't understand here? And I began receiving information, thoughts in my mind that I never had before in my life. So I was writing down, scribbling everything that I was receiving. Never dreaming, Ryan, ever thinking that anyone else would ever see this material. 
I was having, frankly, what I was certain was a very sacred personal experience. People have had, you know, sacred personal awakenings or experience, whatever you want to call it, whatever form it takes. And that was the form that my experience took. But I never thought I would even tell anybody about it, much less that they would actually read what I was writing on that yellow legal pad. But somewhere in the middle of this writing, I remember being told, you will make of this dialogue one day a book. And you will cause it to be accessed by many people. And I thought to myself, okay, now I got you. Now I got you. I don't know if I'm talking to God or what's going on here. But you know what? If this reading is God, prove it. Because nobody's going to publish a book with handwritten notes of some guy who claims he's talking to God in the middle of the night. I don't think so. I mean, can you imagine a publisher going out to the workroom floor saying to his editors, hold the presses, stop everything. I got a guy here who's talking to God. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Nobody's going to publish this stuff. But in fact, on a dare, I sent it to a small, really small publisher, independent publisher on the East Coast of the United States, which turned into a semi-major publisher as a result of that book. Because they agreed to publish it. They said, this is interesting stuff. We're going to put it out. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, are you kidding me? Well, but they did publish it. And I thought, okay, if it sells 500 copies, it's going to be a lot because nobody's going to... I mean, really, a guy who claims he's talking to God? But it, And I was right. It didn't sell 500 copies. It only sold 15 million in 37 languages. Not bragging, just saying. Yeah, one one of the, my, my wife is, um, she writes songs. She's in a rock band uh, with a faith um, inspired lyrics, shall we say. One of the questions that she had for you as I was, was preparing is that, how do you discern God's voice from your own? God's voice is the voice that always speaks of joy, freedom, and love. No fear, no anger, no you know severe warnings of coming retribution, no no negativity negativity of any kind. God's voice is the voice that always speaks of joy, freedom, and love. The words are interchangeable. Joy, freedom, love, God. The four words are interchangeable, actually, I was told. And so uh, also, by the way, in my own case, I remember that I was told so many things, not just one or two things, but Ryan, many things that I, Neil, had never heard of, I mean, never imagined, never been told by anybody, mm -hmm. never read anyplace else. To give you an example, uh, early in the dialogue, I was told, Neil, there's no such thing as the Ten Commandments. What? What, what are you telling me? Mm -hmm. God said, Neil, we are all one. You and I are one. You're simply like the fingers on your hand, individuated, different from each other, but not separated from the body itself. So you are, if you please, to use a metaphor, fingers on the hands of God. So we are all one. Therefore, who would I command? Would I issue commandments to myself? And who would I punish if those commandments were not kept? Yeah. Would I punish myself? Yeah. Oh, I see. You don't think that you're part of me. That's what makes it possible for you to think that I would command and punish you mm -hmm. because you think that you're separate from me. Mm -hmm. So mistake number one, Neil. Mistake number one. You believe in separation. But here's the news. All things are one thing. There is only one thing. And all things are part of the one thing there is. And when you embrace that as the way you choose to interact with each other on your planet, everything will change for the better overnight. I could, of course, be wrong about all of this. I don't think so. 
uh, that has to be the supposition for everything, right? And I think that's probably where some of the organized religion goes wrong is like you cannot question, you cannot challenge. And and I know that I get closer to God by asking those questions. And, and I love the dialogue that I'm able to almost join in with you because you're asking some of the biggest questions that a human being has. And um, just so to be part, you know, my wife, she asks a million and one questions. And I'm, I'm so I'm reading. It, I'm like, you need to read this because Neil has been asking God some of the questions you've been asking and more. So uh, I'm looking forward to her really diving in because, um, but she, you know, I, I think one of the things then that I've got myself in a bit of a twist of is when you start to un, when you start to explain that, um, God separates itself so that it may experience itself. Uh, I might have got some of the technical words wrong, but part of this being the fact that we're fingers is so that God may experience itself through relationship with itself. Like, can you help under help us understand some of that concept as to yes, uh, Ryan? Uh, uh, not to not to be picky about the words you're using, yeah, but you invited me. Yes. You invited me to. God does not separate itself. To use a word you just used. Yeah, I knew that. Was God does not. God does not separate itself mm. from anything. In fact, separation from anything would be impossible. God differentiates itself, and that's entirely another matter. Differentiating is not separating. So God differentiates itself, even as, I, to use the metaphor I used earlier, even as the ocean is different and therefore differentiated from the wave. But it's not separate from the wave. The wave is not separate from the ocean. It's simply an arising of the ocean in individuated form. And again, to repeat, when that individuation is complete, the wave recedes back into the ocean whence it came. So there is no sense of separation. And that's the great illusion of humans, is that we live in a world where things are separate from each other. Yeah, We, we think that we're separate from nature. We think we're separate from the planet. Mm -hmm. And we think, sadly... That we're separate from each other. Do you know something, Ryan? Some people even think they're separate from themselves. Right. That is, they have they have a sense of separation from their true self. So, what I've invited people to do is, and I would invite your your darling spouse to ask herself the one question that most people go through their whole lives and never ask: Who am I? Who am I? Is this who I am? Am I this physical mass called a body? Or or wait, is this who I am? Am I this you know, mental arrangement called my brain, my mind? Or am I both? Am I my body and my mind? Or is it possible? Just possible. That I'm more than that. Is it possible that I'm a spiritual entity having a body and having a mind, but simply using my body and my mind as tools, as pieces of equipment with which to complete the agenda of the soul? Mm. This is what was made very clear to me in my conversations with God. Neil, Neil, you don't know who you really are. But once you decide and become clear about who you really are, that you are in fact an individuation of divinity, your raison d'etre, your reason for being, will change utterly and completely because you will suddenly realize that your reason for being in the realm of the physical is to express and to experience, to demonstrate and to fulfill who you really are. And not coincidentally, everyone who we have called a master on this planet, Catherine of Genoa, Julian of Norwich, Joan of Arc, Jesus of Nazareth, Buddha, Moses, I don't care whether we're talking about men or women through the ages, everyone we have claimed to be a master on this planet has said the exact same thing. We are all one. 
There's no separation between us. We are all individuations of divinity. And we have come here to the realm of the physical that we might experience who we really are. Now, let me just take one step further, take this one step further and explain why, why we do that here. Why don't we just do it in the realm of the spiritual for where we came from, presumably, which is true, by the way. All souls come from the realm of the spiritual to the realm of the physical and then return to the realm of the spiritual and then return to the realm of the physical in a series of cyclical processes called reincarnation. We incarnate again and again and again and again, many, 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 many times throughout all eternity. This is my understanding. But why? Why don't we just stay in heaven where things are really nice? Why would we come here to this crazy place? And God said, well, Neil, here's the deal. Heaven really is heaven. It really is paradise. All there is is love here and now. There's, there's no, no other place but here, no other time but now, and no other experience except total, pure love. Endless love here and now. Call it heaven if you want. But the interesting thing about being in a place where there's nothing but love here and now is that the soul can't experience itself because there's no contrasting element. Yeah. And I said, I said, well, okay, I need, need a little help with that, God. Can you help me? She said, sure, sure, it's really simple. Let's pretend, as a metaphor, he said, let's pretend that you've decided you are the light, just, just as a metaphor. So can you say that following me? I said, okay, I did. I am the light. God said, great. Now, in heaven, all there is is the light. So you are like a candle in the sun. You're there all right, along with a million kajillion other candles, <laughs> but you can't experience yourself. You can't express yourself as the light. You can know yourself as the light, but you want to do more than just know it. You want to experience it. And I, I said, well, give me an example. And you're, you're kind of getting way out here, God. And she said, okay, let's use a simple example from your own life. Can you remember the first time you heard about the opposite sex? I said, yeah, yeah, I, I recall that. I was about what, 9 or 10, 12 years old. She said, can you remember when you were 13 or 14 or 15 years old, you started having yearnings to express yourself with the opposite sex? I said, yeah, I can remember. I recall those days vividly. God said, okay. So you knew that there was a thing called female because you were male. But knowing it wasn't enough for you. Neil, you wanted to experience it. And at some point in your life, somewhere between 17 and 21, you are willing to do <laughs> almost anything to experience it. Yeah. At least just once, for heaven's sake. Yeah. If not repeatedly for the rest of your life. <laughs> because it creates more life. And at some cellular level, you even knew that. Yeah. So it's one thing to know who you are. But it's another thing entirely to express and to experience who you are. And that is the eternal yearning of the soul mm. to express, to experience, to demonstrate, to fulfill our ultimate identity. So God said, getting back to our metaphor, if you're a candle in the sun, you can't experience yourself. You can know you're a candle. You're there. All right. Melted in with all the other candles in the sun. But if you want to experience yourself as the light, what would you need to do? Place yourself where? And I said, well, I guess in the darkness. God said, precisely. And so you have created in the realm of the physical what you would loosely call, again, metaphorically speaking, the darkness. Mm -hmm. Or if you please, the other then. This is who you are, and this is the other then. You can't know tall without short. You can't know big without small. You can't know good without evil. You can't know anything about who you are without its opposite. That's why we created the realm of the physical. There, Neil, I've explained it all to you. But now here's the final word on this subject. Raise not your fist to heaven and curse the darkness not would be a light unto the darkness. Mm. 
that you might know who you really are and that all those whose lives you touch might know who they really are as well. Is this not what every master has done? I could be wrong about all of this, but I don't think so. I got it from the highest authority. I have a, I have a desire to help people know themselves, know who they truly are, and contribute in that awakening of the species, as you so delicately put in in one of your later books. Where's the, where's, you know, I don't know whether there's the way, there's a better way, or, or where's the most powerful way I can facilitate people getting to know themselves and, and as a byproduct getting to know God? See them. Give people back to themselves. Hmm. There was a wonderful movie out a few years ago. I'm trying to think of the name of it now. But it was and it was called Avatar. A wonderful yeah. film called Avatar. In the movie Avatar, it was a love story between two people. But you, I want you to, if you can remember, even though it was a wonderful, tender love story, there was one thing that the lovers never said to each other. They never said, I love you. Mm -hmm. Watch the whole film over again. The words do not appear in the script anywhere. Mm -hmm. What they said to each other was, I see you. Right. So what can we do? see everyone as who they really are yes. and then give people back to themselves. Mm. Move through life and make it your purpose to see everyone in their highest state as who they really are and give them back to themselves. You know, the, the guy at the post office, the clerk at the supermarket, the lady at the coffee shop, I see you. I see you. And if you don't feel comfortable saying those words, then tell them what you see. You know what? Every day I come in here, you are so good at what you do. You're so friendly with the customers. Your interactions are marvelous. You have high-level people skills. I just wanted to tell you, I really love interacting with you. Thank you for being who you are. And that person who hasn't been told things like that for years, not that directly, look at you, a total stranger in a coffee shop, and say with a tiny tear rolling down her face, thank you, thank you. And she might even say, thank you for seeing me. Mm. A, a few years ago, I want to tell you a story. I was coming out of a coffee shop as it happened. And I'm going to my car. It was parked illegally. I mean, it was legally parked, but the, the meter had run out. And a policeman was putting a ticket on the car. And I walked over to him and I said, Officer, could I talk to you a minute? I knew he thought I was going to give him a ration. He said, yeah. What, what is it? I said, well, I, I just wanted to say something to you. He said, go ahead. I said, it's not lost on me that when you put that silver piece of metal on your chest and step outside into the world, you've made a promise to yourself and by extension to me that you will put yourself between me and harm's way, even if it costs you your life. I'm aware of the promise you make every morning when you go to work. And I want you to know how grateful I am for you. This guy looked at me and he reached over to the ticket. He was going to tear it up. I said, no, 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 don't tear up that ticket. I didn't tell you that to get my ticket torn up. That's not, this is not quid pro quo. This is not tit for tat. This is not a trade deal. I said what I said because I meant it. He put the ticket back under the windshield wiper of my car, walked over to me. This was not a young guy. He was about 55, 60 years old. He looked at me and he said, you know what? I've been on this police force for the past 27 years. No one has ever 
ever said anything like that to me. Mm. You've just made my career. And he turned around and he walked away. Mm. What can we do, Ryan? Give people back to themselves. Mm. In that moment, do you see yourself as the officer saw Neil or that officer for one moment saw God? I'm not quite sure I understood the question. Do I You're see in... myself? Well, the officer that had that interaction with you, do you see that as Neil? Yes. Or do you see that as God in you, through you? The answer is yes to both questions. <laughs> Can you explain that? Sure, but I'm not going to. You have to call me for another interview at a different time. Oh, I'll, I'll wait, wait, maybe I will. Maybe I will. Yeah, of course. I see them as me. I see them as an extension of me because I see everyone as an extension of me these days. I didn't always in my life, but since I've had my conversations with God, I tend to see other people as me in another body. Oh, and by the way, not just the wonderful parts of them, when I see somebody doing something that I don't agree with, saying something that I don't agree with, acting in a way, behaving in a way that I'm not happy about, I remind myself of me as well. I think of, oh, you know what? You know what? I've I've said that kind of a thing. I've been insensitive. I've been uncaring. I've been brutally frank. I've been unkind. I've I've done that too. So you know what? I'm not going to stop thinking that you are me and I am you. I'm not going to stop loving you because of the way you're behaving right now. Is it possible for human beings to do that? What if somebody's trying to kill you? What if somebody actually tries to shoot you? Well, if your name was John Paul II, you would have an answer to that as well. Because he was driving in a motorcade in Rome a few years ago, and a man shot him six times. And all six bullets hit him. The shooter didn't miss. He survived all six bullet wounds. And he went to the jail cell because the man, of course, was jumped on by everybody and thrown into jail for life. And he went to the jail cell, the guy who shot him six times. We're talking about John Paul II, the Pope, of course, at the time. And he said something, Ryan, extraordinary to this man in the jail cell. He said, in nomine patria filii spiritus sancto amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I bless you. And when the media asked him, because of course he can't go anywhere without the press following him, and they asked him when he came out of jail, why would you do that? He said, well, you know, I had a guy say, a few years ago, bless, bless, bless your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And when a man slaps you on the right cheek, turn and offer him your left. And when a man asks you for your coat, give him your shirt as well. And when a man demands that you walk one mile with him, Go with him, Twain. And the press had no more questions for the Pope because he explained it simply and directly. So when I see someone like that policeman, do I see myself? Yes. Do I see an aspect of God? Yes. Do I see another expression of divinity? Yes. Do you see a person with whom I agree on every single thing he does or says? No. There will be times when I disagree, but I have decided, even when I disagree, mm -hmm. to disagree agreeably. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I am... Um...
I recently lost someone very dear to me. My grandmother passed a couple of weeks ago, and um, yesterday was her funeral. She was a uh, she meant a lot to our family, and um, so we're dealing with a bit of grief at the moment. And I know that's not a feeling uncommon to many of my listeners. And I just wonder what is probably what is uh, what is the most comforting message that you can share with anybody that's experiencing grief right now. First of all, let yourself experience it. Don't try to avoid it. Don't try to tamp it down. Don't try to feel less of it. Feel it fully, completely, and absolutely. I had the blessing in my life, Ryan, of working for a lady on her staff, um, a woman named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Mm -hmm. She wrote a book called On Death and Dying, among other books. She wrote many, many books. But I worked on her personal staff, and she taught me, never, never, never stop yourself from feeling grief. Let yourself feel it completely, cry it out, shout it out, do, do, do whatever it takes to feel it fully and completely. Then, after you felt the grief deeply, because grief is simply an expression of love, you wouldn't want to not grieve someone who's close to you, who's left your life. So, let yourself express the grief. Then, celebrate their continuation day. Nobody dies at a time or in a way that is not of their choosing. Mm. Home with God, chapter one. Nobody dies at a time or in a way that is not of their choosing. So, celebrate their continuation day. And then know that you'll join them. See you later, Mom. Joining you soon. See you on the other side. And we will. We will all be together again. There's no such thing as eternal separation. There's only the illusion of separation. In fact, you're not even separated now. It just seems like you are because your physical distance has increased and your physical togetherness has disappeared. But you're not even separate now. And if you're careful and look closely, you will see that your mother is with you even now. I could of course, be wrong about all of this. But I don't think so. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. I want to be super respectful of your time. I've got a couple more questions before we finish. And um, your latest book, God Talk, that comes out in November, I think is this understanding that um, it's not whether God's talking, it's whether we're listening. And, uh, you know, we've got such busy lives and, and, you know, I could be guilty of being on my phone a lot of the time, which which cuts away some of that contemplative time, that contemplative posture for us to be able to hear what God's trying to say to us. But I, uh, I love that you say that um, actually God doesn't just use words. God uses far more methods than just words. What are some of the ways with which we can tune into what God's saying and, and how yeah. might God be speaking? Words, least of all, I was told. Yeah. Least of all does God use words because words can be most easily and rapidly misunderstood and misinterpreted. Mm. And so God uses feelings. Feelings, I'm told, are the language of the soul. God uses feelings, visions, you know, understandings, everything, everything in life, aromas. You know, I, I, I go, go through a department store and, and then walk outside and somebody's in the parking lot smoking a cigar that reminds me absolutely of my own father. Mm -hmm. I look around, where's my dad? Now, my dad's been gone from my life for 25 or 30 years, but boy, oh boy, oh boy. And when I smell that cigar, which smelled exactly like the cigar my father smoked, is that just a coincidence? Just just serendipity? It could be, maybe so. But I use it. I use it as a communication, whether it was intended to be or not. And then I stop right there in that moment. 
say to myself, hi, dad. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for everything you gave me. Thanks for so much of who and what I am. And thanks for showing up in this moment in the way that you've chosen to do through the God of our mutual understanding. Because I know that when souls get to the other side, they understand everything. No further questions. No further questions. So, yeah, that's been my awareness and that's been my experience. Yeah, you say that God will use all devices. And in the last few years, there's been the emergence of artificial intelligence. Do you think God will use artificial intelligence to uh, to communicate with us? I think like everything, words, songs, music, the song you hear on the radio, the lyrics of the... I think like everything in life, smells, sounds, that yes, but it's important for us to have discernment. We want to make sure that whether we're talking about words or sounds or songs or lyrics or whatever we're talking about, we want to make sure we use discernment and not allow ourselves to be convinced, as many people have done with what's called religion, not allow ourselves to be convinced that something is true, even if it contains negative, punishing, condemning, judgmental energies. Here's the question of the hour, my friend. Dare we believe? I mean, it's a dare for sure. Dare we believe in something as theologically revolutionary as a God who judges, condemns, and punishes no one for anything? Talk about theologically revolutionary. Virtually every one of the 4,000 religions on the face of the earth will tell you that God will punish you for something, for sure. In the faith of my childhood, divorce was punishable yeah. by, by, by hell and damnation. Eating, eating meat on Friday. We couldn't even eat meat on Friday. There are certain religions that tell you that you have to cover your whole body. You could only be, only be allowed to be, see maybe a, a slit through your eyes if you happen to be a female. But if you're a male, of course, your whole body can be seen. That's okay. And I'm not making fun of anybody because all the religions tell us what you can and cannot do according to what God says. And if you disobey God's rules, which you had better memorize, you'll be punished. Dare we believe in a God of pure love? That's what the God solution is about. That's why I wrote a book called The God Solution. And that's why I wrote a book called God Talk, because the book called God Talk helps people understand how they can have their own conversations with God. I have a word here always pessimistically. It's called heartprint. And for me, heartprint is the word that defi like describes the ripple effect, like an interaction, how we can have a moment with someone and all all things can be different. The new possibilities are created. In effect, it's like a legacy of an interaction. Now, you've you've written 40 books. You've put some incredible heart work out into the world dare i ask you what you think your heart print will be i hope that it will be that i served people whose lives i touched I have many more questions I would love to ask you, but I want to be super respectful of your time. And I would just like to invite you or whether you have a final thought from God. I ask God, what is the most important message in all the 3,000 pages of the dialogue? She said, Neil, it's really very simple. You think your life is about you. And your life has nothing to do with you. I know you think that it does, but your life is about everyone else whose life you touch and the way in which you touch it. And when you understand that, everything, 
will change, both for you and for those whose lives you touch. I could, of course, be wrong about all of that, but I don't think so. Yes, and and, and I think just to, to round off the conversation, I think it's funny, isn't it? Because you talk in one of your books, you talk about how it took 300 years for the church to apologize to Galileo for something. I hope it doesn't take 300 years to recognize the book of Neil. <laughs> in some way, the, 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 the documents that you've brought forth to this world are recognized, acknowledged as, you know, the sacred message that they are. I think we're all receiving those messages. I want to make sure that everyone knows as we say goodbye today that I don't think of myself as anything unusual or abnormal. I'm not, you know, a holy man. Definitely not that. Anyone who knows me will tell you that straight out. <laughs> so that's not who I am. I'm simply a messenger. I'm simply, you know, I was given a message and I was invited to share it and I've done that. But let's be real clear. All of us are having conversations with God all the time. We're simply calling it something else. Women's intuition, a sudden insight, a hunch, an epiphany, a brilliant idea, whatever we want to call it that would allow us to get away with receiving the information. All of us are having conversations with God all the time in a thousand different ways, including, by the way, possibly, at least possibly, this very program neil thank you for the space and time brother god bless you i feel blessed and i appreciate your sharing that wish with and for me and i see that you have been blessed as well with a wonderful, wonderful wife who asks all the right questions <laughs> and with a wonderful career and a wonderful mind. So go forth and have yourself a wonderful life from this day forward. Take care, my friend. Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you. Keep leading, my friends. Always love.